Chapter 21 of Workhouse Characters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Workhouse Characters by Margaret Nevinson. Chapter 21 Widows, Indeed. Mrs. Woods had just returned from her search after work. Worn and weary after a day of walking and waiting about on an empty stomach, the Educational Committee of White Lime had informed her that they had decided to take no deserted wives as school scrubbers. Only widows need apply. Outside, she heard the voices of her children at play in the fog and mist, and remembered with dull misery that she had neither food nor firing for them. And she shuddered, as she heard the language on their youthful lips. She had been brought up in the godly ways of the North Country farmhouse, and the struggle against evil seemed too hard for her. She fitted the key into the lock of her little bare room and lit the evil-smelling lamp. Then she sank into a chair, overpowered by deadly nausea. Strange whirligigs of light flashed before her eyes, and then she collapsed on the floor in a dead faint. When she came to herself, she was sitting by a bright little fire in the next room, and friendly neighbors were chafing her hands and pouring a potent spirit down her throat. That's right, my dear. You're coming round nicely. Have another sip of gin, and then a good cup of tea will put you right. Faint you were, my dear, I know. And I suppose you had no luck at them board schools? Mrs. Woods raised a weary hand to her dazed head and thought duly before she answered. They asked me if I was a widow, and when I said my husband had deserted me over a month ago, they said as they were sorry they could not give me any work. They were keeping it for the widows of the borough. Yes, I heard that from Mrs. James. But why didn't you have the sense to say as you were a widow? I never thought of that. I'm a truthful woman, I am. Can't afford to be truthful if you are a deserted woman. Men on boards and committees don't like the breed. Think she did something to drive the old man away. But widows moves the artist arts. What you want is a crape fall and Mrs. Lee's black-bordered handkerchief. You'll have to get work, my dear. All the pack will be loose on you soon. School board visitors and sanitaries and cruelty men to say as your children have not enough food. There, there, don't upset her again. We'll fix you up all right, my dear. Only you must remember, Mrs. Woods, that you are young and ignorant and must be guided by them as knows the world, said Mrs. Lee a shrewd-eyed old dame of great wisdom and experience, who, like some of the curies in Brittany, was consulted by all her friends and neighbors in all problems, spiritual and temporal. First of all, my dear, you must get out of this. You're getting too well known in this locality. Go into London Street right across the high road. I have a daughter as can give you a room, and there you become a widow. Mrs. Spence. Just buried em in Sheffield. You're from Yorkshire, I reckon. Mrs. Woods nodded. You talk queer, just like my old man did. 
so that'll sound true. You takes your children from Nightingale Lane, and you sends them to that big board school by the docks. My Muriel knows the name, and you enters them as Spence, not Woods. Mind, you tells them they are Spence. Then you starts a new life. There are cleaners wanted in that idiot school just built by White Lime Church, and I'll be your reference if you want one. I'll lend you my crepe fall, and I'll wash my blackboarded handkerchief, which has mourned afore boards and committees for the last ten years or more. Mind you use it right and sniff into it when they asks too many questions, and be sure and rub it in as how you've buried em in Sheffield. I've heard all the women talking at the laundry as how they're refusing work to deserted wives. Says, as the council don't want to make it easy for a husband's to dump families on the rates. Good God! As if a man eat up body and soul with a fancy for another woman, stops to think of his family and where they will get dumped. Well, I mustn't grumble. Lee was a good man to me, and I miss him sad. But there is my Gladys, the prettiest of the bunch. The flower of the flock, as her dad used to call her, left within three year of her wedding by her husband, who was the maddest and silliest lover I ever seed, till she said yes to him, though dad and I always told her he was no good. No, my dear, I'm afraid as it isn't the truth. But if folks play us such dirty tricks, we must be even with them. Think of your little ohm and your little kiddies and rouse yourself for their sakes. You are a strong and arty woman when you stop crying for em and get some vittles into you. And you don't want the board to get at em and take em away, protecting them against you and sending them to that great Bastille. Don't give way, dearie. I'll come with you tomorrow, and I'd better be your mother-in-law. Folks know me round here, and now me and the old dad add fifteen of em, and a daughter-in-law more or less won't matter. Don't give way, I tell you. Give us another cup of tea, Mrs. Hayes. The next morning, a deep crepe-veiled Mrs. Spence, propped up by an equally funereal Mrs. Lee, the black-bordered handkerchief much in evidence, sought and obtained work at the new LCC school for the mentally defective, and the terrors of the workhouse, the poor law schools, or even prison were temporarily averted. End of chapter 21 Recording by John Brandon